Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. My name's Clayton Croker, coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. This episode is brought to you by beers, having a couple today. Uh, thanks for listening, whether it be on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you're listening, we really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you give us a follow on the uh, social medias as well, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at BFMD Podcast. Uh, let's go around the horn here with the boys. Justin Anderson, how's you going, bud? Going well. Went on a bit of a lake weekend. I had taken Monday and Tuesday off, so uh, girlfriend's family rented a cabin. We went up, did a little bit of fishing. It was pretty windy and rainy, so we played a lot of board games, drank a lot of beer. It was a good time. The girlfriend lake trip a lot different than the boys' lake trip, hey? I had the boys' lake trip this weekend, and let me tell you, uh, <laughs> we proved it. Shell Lake, if you uh, if you saw Shell that floating pontoon party barge that was in the middle of the lake that was us we were there were like four pontoon boats tied together a bunch of floaty rafts uh shell lake's one of the most underrated lakes here in saskatchewan and uh he's still hurting got home sunday at like 11 <laughs> in the morning and still hurting like three days later it's uh it's been a rough one um was your was your trip home from the lake super quiet like that's when you know well, you had a good trip to the lake when the ride home is like no one's talking well, it was pretty quiet because I drove home alone because uh, they were up there for nine days and they went up for the weekend oh, and yeah. the next couple. So you didn't I spent myself. So yeah, you didn't want to spend put, nine I just days. I a podcast on and uh, listened to a couple episodes on the way home. You didn't want to spend nine days with the future in-laws. I just couldn't take that much holidays. I work in sales, man. If I don't work, I don't get paid. Okay, bud. Easy. Pump the brakes. <laughs> uh, we got uh, Patrick Marsh joining us in the Maritimes. How's she going, bud? It's going great, actually. Uh, we've gotten a lot of rain lately, which means uh, it's put quite the uh, buzzkill on me working out, getting into shape, trying to get into into good shape these days, putting in that effort. I gave up. It starts in a week, Patrick. I get into game shape. No, I gave yeah, up I a know. long time ago. <laughs> I gotta, I, I, I gotta think... get ready. I gotta get ready for the season, man. I got what? How many days? How many days till we our uh, first? Nine. Nine for nine. today. I got nine days to get into shape, man. I mean, did you guys see the pictures of Pablo Sandoval? I got to go from Pablo Sandoval shape to uh, at least Brett Laurie shape. Minus the douchebag tattoos, though, of course. Can we also talk about, while we're on the subject here, can we talk about Vladdy and his body? Because before in the offseason, everyone was like, oh, yeah, he's getting in super good shape. He didn't look like he was in that great a shape in the inter-squad game, did he? Well, um, the thing there, they, they kind of talked about that, and they, they said, like, his, his shoulders look bigger. Like, it looks like he added muscle, but, like, he did not lose the thickness whatsoever. The Maybe. thickness remains. His belly's um, still there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I think it always will be. I mean, have you seen pictures of Pete Alonzo? Man, that dude looks like a fucking dad from, like, just a, a sitcom. Like, he was walking around Mets practice. He had, like, the bandana on, sunglasses, and he's got he's rocking like the big old beer belly, but he hit 50 home runs last year, so it must be working for him. That's true, and I mean, I was just expecting like 8-pack Vladdy, and I was kind of excited for that, but yeah, I know it's never going to happen. That uh, sounds like uh, Patrick Marsh's wet dreams. Exactly. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Austin Martin coming up here in a bit. We're going to talk about the bullpen a little bit as well. Some drama between Gritcher Daddy and Stroman a little bit. If you were on Twitter, you saw that. Uh, we'll talk about what the Jays are doing for Tony Fernandez this year. Uh, we'll talk about Vladdy switching positions, which we didn't really get into last episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about the rotation as well because this whole Chase Anderson injury, which I think is going to turn into a little bit of a bigger deal than people think uh we're going to talk about what 
we should do with that. Before we get into baseball, though, you guys want to talk some hockey playoffs? Let's do it. Okay, because Patrick needs a new team for the playoffs. He's a Red Wings fan. Obviously, the Red Wings, a garbage team. Um, <laughs> so who are you going to adopt for the playoffs coming up here for the NHL restart? Well, it's official now. I've got the gear on. You can't see it, but I'm rocking a white Winnipeg Jets jersey with Shifley 55 on the back. I'm going with the Winnipeg Jets, boys. That's not Here cool. Here we go. Go, Flames, go. See you later. Oh, Have fun. That's going to be a good one week for you because the Flames are coming to sweep you out of the playoffs, bud. <laughs> you know what? If <laughs> if that happens, I'll just buy a Flames shirt and throw out the Jets shirt. I'm calling it right now. I think David Riddick for the Flames has a rough first game. Cam Talbot goes in and saves the day. He gets really, really hot and plays well for the Flames. Uh, I forget which NHL team you are, Justin. Leafs? Wow. Yeah, Leafs, right? That's, that's me. Who do the Leafs have in the first round? We've got, we've got Columbus. Okay. Oh, that's going to be a really fun series, actually, because... It should be good. Well, Col- speed. Columbus's goaltending, they have, like, two guys. They got Corpusolo and Merzlikens in there, and, like, both of them can seal the show. I like... You're going to hate this, Justin, but I like Columbus in that series. I think Columbus is going to fly under the radar and surprise some people. Well, they flew under the radar and swept Tampa Bay last year, so... Exactly. I think they can do it again. They got some experience. Plus, like, Columbus, their fan base, pretty underrated. Like, last year they were getting pretty rowdy. Are, do you guys think this hockey thing's going to happen? Like, do you think it's going to work or no? Patrick, let's start with you. I mean, we're already there. All, as far as I know, everybody's already in the bubble. So, I mean, unless 50% of the players all get COVID overnight, uh, this is going to happen. I think it's way more likely to happen than baseball. And baseball 100%. I agree with nine you. Nine days away. The one thing I have is, like, other people coming in the bubble because there's going to be a lot of young guys in hotels, bored, hitting up the Tinder, doing that kind of thing. (laughs) I I don't know. I'm kind of worried about the bubble bursting that way. They're going to be super, super strict. Yeah, but people always find a way, Justin. People always find a way. I'm just worried about, like, I'm worried about anything if it's baseball because we've we've got to travel to Florida for the first three games of the season. And that place is a dumpster fire of a state without COVID-19. Yeah, I remember about the NBA, too, playing in Florida. Like, they could have... Yeah, they should just pick somewhere else. But hockey's got a pretty good shot. I mean, playing in Toronto and playing in Edmonton, two places that seem to have their shit together um, in terms of the whole COVID thing, more so than south of the border so i think yeah yeah i'm with patrick i think if anything is going to be a problem it's going to be baseball well better chance in the cfl too like out of all the sports the cfl has been the biggest shit show hey patrick yeah well i don't even know i i haven't kept up with cfl too much is is the season going to happen or is it going to be they haven't decided yet they have zero plans very unlikely i've got a couple buddies as i think clayton does too who play in the league and the the best that they've heard is that there maybe will be an eight game season in one or two hub cities and that's like the best case scenario yeah in winnipeg they're saying maybe because manitoba yeah, is doing maybe, really well maybe but... uh, regina and winnipeg is kind of the rumor but it's a cfl it's nine teams you only need one hub city like two yeah. hub cities for nine teams that's ridiculous the good but... thing about regina and winnipeg is that they are close and they both have new stadiums exactly so. and yeah they got yeah. the they got the amenities and all that stuff in the facilities so but yeah i mean we could be watching cfl football right now even if you're a big nfl fan and you're a cfl hater you got to admit you're kind of missing cfl 
NFL football right now. Um, let's get to baseball. Is the NFL going to happen? <laughs> yeah, the NFL. Uh, I don't know. I think I think it will be, but nah, you never know with the states, man. The states uh, is so unpredictable right now. They could turn it around in a week, or it could get way worse in a week. I think it's. Uh, I think the next two weeks here are going to be pretty telling. Enough about this, though. Let's get ladder. to baseball. Let's get yeah. to baseball, shall we? Um, first rounder, Austin Martin immediately added to the 60-man roster. Uh, Patrick, were you shocked that the Jays moved him there that fast? Nope. I don't think they're going to fast-track him necessarily, but uh, I think they want to get him into the organization, get him in, immersed in the culture as fast as possible. And uh, I, I I don't think he's going to see any meaningful exhibition time or certainly not real time. They're not going to burn a year uh, of his contract just for, for this uh, truncated season when they already have a log jam of, uh, of infielders. So uh, it's awesome to see. I love seeing him out there taking BP and all that, uh, taking reps at third. I don't know what's going to happen as far as uh, who he's going to play. I imagine it's going to be a lot of inner squad stuff uh, in between actual games for uh, – Martin. Yeah, the Jays fans who overreacted and were like, "You need to give this time, guy. You need to give this guy time in the minors." They don't know how baseball works, and that's really frustrating nope. about Jays Twitter. It's like, look, this guy is a rookie. He's obviously just on the sixty-man roster for like just exposure yeah. and to kind of get familiar with the franchise. Like the sixty-man roster means absolutely nothing, nothing. And, and like they had yeah, an extra and, spot and you're right. anyway. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> like if they have an extra spot, why not use it on their first round pick? Who also happens to be twenty two years old? He's not some high school kid. Like he's old. He's older than yeah, Groshans, right? Twenty one, but yeah, he's older than Vlad. So so like, why not keep him up there? Like, yeah, these young like, guys. And anyway. like it's a it's a sixty man player pool, not mm-hmm. a sixty man roster, and that's where people kind of get confused. I think they're they're going to carry a roster of thirty people into the season. And the other 30 people will form like their, maybe like the taxi squad, the alternate player pool. They'll probably put them somewhere like Buffalo, um, where they're close enough to get to Toronto. If 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 the Jays even get to play in Toronto, that's still up for up for debate too. But he's there, like you said, Clayton, so he can get kind of immersed in the team, meet the guys he's going to be playing with. And yeah, he's 21. His college season got shut down. He hasn't had an at bat since the 13th of March. So. Uh, he needs to get some reps, and that's why he's at the team. Justin, where does Austin Martin end this season? Well, I guess if there's no minor league baseball, that question doesn't really make sense. But let's say it was a real season, and there weren't any COVID rules or anything like that. Where would Austin Martin end this season if it was a normal year? Would he be one of those rookies that he ends it in A ball instead of rookie? Yeah, so they would have done like what they did with Jordan Groshans and uh, start him on rookie ball and then move him up to low A at the end of the season. I think with Austin Martin, he likely would have started in low A, skipped rookie ball completely, and finished in high A to needed. He would have went to Lansing and then to needed. Patrick, do you kind of agree? Would you uh, start him slow? Like, again, if this was a no COVID situation and there was minor ball, would you send him to rookie or would you fast track him a little bit? He, I would start him in high A. Um, just because I think he has a higher floor and a higher ceiling than Jordan Groshans. Um, I don't know exactly how to qualify that statement at this exact <laughs> moment in time, but I do think that Martin represents uh, at bare minimum a three-tool player. Maximum, I think he's got the ability to be a five-tool player. Um, and I, I would like to have seen him start in high A and then... 
I don't know, maybe makes it to the Fisher Cats before the end of the year. But obviously, none of this happens. Next year will be uh, more interesting, especially if they do contract uh, the minor league system for all MLB teams. And it looks like uh, minor league baseball is in a lot of trouble anyway. Yeah, I think with guys like this, like the the draft picks who play the four years of college ball, I think there's no problem fast-tracking them a bit, especially with a talent like Austin Martin. Like, I think he would be a good, like, double-A September call-up, you know, like at the end of the year get called up by the Fisher Cats and then start the year in double-A the next year. Because, again, he's got a lot of baseball. It's not like he got drafted out of high school where he's still super green. Like, Austin Martin played at, like we said last episode, the baseball school, Vanderbilt. So he uh, he knows good competition. He knows um, good baseball. And I think that uh, fast-tracking a guy like that isn't a bad thing. Uh, let's talk about the bullpen a little bit. We kind of... We kind of brushed over it last episode because it's like, well, who cares? Our bullpen sucks anyway. But Charlie Montoyo, he was pretty high on Jordan Romano. Patrick, I'll let you talk a little bit more about him. Uh, well, apparently he's got gas. He's got the ability to uh, to chuck a fastball 98 miles an hour, which uh, I'm very excited about. The only question that I have is because, like, I don't know, Montoyo's been high on other players who haven't exactly panned out I'm not exactly sure what Jordan Romano has to offer. Justin, what are your thoughts on this? Because I'm really not sure myself. Sure. Well, good thing for this is that we just watched him. Well, I watched him tonight in this inter-squad game that's still going on. He pitched the first inning, struck out the side. Um, good slider. His slider is really – it's not a, a consistent slider. So what I mean by that is that sometimes it, it goes more up-down. Sometimes it goes more left-right on the break. So it's, it's kind of unpredictable for him. So, I mean, he's got that fastball with a compliment slider. His slider is not a pitch he's going to throw for a ton of strikes. That's his out pitch. But, yeah, with that fastball, he reminds me a little bit of a Ken Giles with a really good fastball that can really get up and in on a batter. He's a lefty as well, which is interesting. Um, and I think for him, Montoyo sees him uh, as like a late innings guy, which... I think he is too. It's cool that he's Canadian as well. Uh, I do like the kid. I think if he can make that fastball a little bit more uh, reliable for strikes, we'll see. Uh, we'll see him be more successful than he than he would be otherwise. Well, Patrick, did we um, did we kind of overlook the bullpen last episode because we were just like at the end of our sixty man roster overlook, we were like, ah, we're at the bullpen. Who cares? Is there hope that our bullpen's actually going to be decent? Like, did we kind of uh, strike out, if you will, last episode on the bullpen, or do you think it's just going to be bad? Um, I think that the depth of the the pitchers who were supposed to be in the bullpen this year is bad. However, we're in this unique situation where we may end up having almost all of the guys who would have been our AAA starters uh, in our bullpen, which is a unique and interesting opportunity to test them out. Some guys who have struggled uh, in the last year or two to sort of establish themselves as a starter in either AAA or MLB, i.e. Sean Reed, Foley, TJ Zoic, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I think those guys having an opportunity in the bullpen, it might be interesting. We might not be as bad as we think we are because all of our best starters from AAA are going to be in the bullpen. Yeah, I've got to make one correction too. Uh, I, I said Romano is a righty. I mixed him and Anthony K up. They both started tonight. Romano's a righty. My bad. 
put in your two weeks notice, man. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, I'm just gonna log off the Skype call right now. Unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some drama, shall we? Um, Randall Gritchick yes. and Marcus Stroman kind of got into it on Twitter, uh, pulling a Mean Girls. Not gonna lie, we're not gonna get into it word for word here because it's just, it's honestly, it's high school shit here. Like, Gritchick liked a tweet that was apparently talking about Marcus Stroman. I don't even know what the tweet was about, but it was talking bad about Marcus Stroman. <laughs> Marcus Stroman was like, hey, man, you always talk behind my back. You liking this tweet, bro? And Randall Gritchick's like, no, man, I liked it because it's true. Like, get out of here. And then they did the whole, hey, have a good day, man. Still like your tweet at the end, even though they don't really <laughs> like each other. The have a good day, man. Okay, yeah, that just means go fuck yourself, basically, in Twitter talk. Uh, but is there anything here, or is it? are they looking too much into this because again just liking a tweet that gets people in trouble now um justin is there anything behind this uh twitter fight can you give us more insight too sure well that was the original tweet i think it was even from aubrey huff oh um, well this started great yeah yeah he yeah. was talking about how um stroman came into the the weight room last spring and like made the all the all the my leaguers leave so he could work out in the gym by himself or something I don't know whether or not that's true or not, because it's Aubrey Huff who really cares what that guy says. But then, like, Richard had liked that tweet, and then people started calling him out on it that he liked the tweet because Strowman had liked some tweets bashing him last season. So that's what kind of started the beef. I think it's just, like, a couple of guys who are frustrated and probably spending a little bit too much time in, uh, on quarantine Twitter. Um, probably just time to shut the phones off and go to bed. Yeah, Patrick, like, <laughs> is this whole liking a tweet thing, like, is there anything in that, or is it just an innocent tweet-like? Okay, well, first things first. Universally, I would, I mean, maybe I shouldn't speak for you guys, but not a big fan of Aubrey Huff. And I would <laughs> no say, one's a I fan would, of Aubrey Huff. <laughs> I would say it's a, you know, mildly understating our dislike for Aubrey Huff. Um, yeah, don't like him. Randall Gritchick, I don't really understand. Like, I understand it's kind of funny because Stroman's not on the team anymore, but yet he is out there looking for subtweets about himself so he can clap back. And it's kind of sad. I kind of feel bad for him because he didn't leave on the best terms. Uh, he kept talking about how he was, like, you know, he was beloved in Tor Toronto and beloved in Canada and all this stuff. And, like, man... Looking forward to this season, I don't miss Marcus Stroman on this team. I really don't. It's it, He's been at the center of so much drama, and he, he loves it. He lives in that zone. And we've got Grichuk just – he just clicked a, the little heart button to like a tweet. I mean – Exactly. Yikes. These, both these guys need to log off. Stroman needs to delete his Twitter forever, uh, and Grichuk needs to focus on not striking out 30% of the time. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, and I'm still a Marcus Stroman guy. I still think we uh, we maybe shouldn't have traded him. I still think we should have given him a second chance a little bit, but that's a story for another day. But this is just, this is his personality. Any little thing, huge explosion, you know? Like, he, he's just that kind of guy where he's got a short fuse, and anything that kind of ticks him off, he's going to make it 10 times worse on himself by overreacting. That's just what he does. Mm. It's kind of his personality on the mound as well. Like, when he starts getting a little bit of trouble... 
yeah, you kind of you can kind of see him get a little flustered, hey? So I think that happens in his personal life too. I mean, someone liked a tweet uh, from some crockpot or crackpot, whatever you want to call him, uh, crockpot. <laughs> Aubrey Huff, the slow cooker, hey? Um, but like, and then he just explodes on Randall Gritchick for no reason. So that's just kind of it's kind of Marcus Stroman's mo. I'm a big Stroman guy, but I can even admit that. Um, while we're talking about guys having bad judgment here, the whole Travis Shaw thing. I didn't even see it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Uh, maybe I need to be on the Twitter more often. But Patrick, what was this Travis Shaw thing? Uh, basically, he was uh, upset about the fact that quarantine was was going to be for the whole season and not just two weeks. Uh, and he was upset because he has, a, I guess, a ritzy apartment in downtown Toronto that he's not able to use because he's stuck inside of the bubble. Which means he's got to stay in the, the the like the hotel with the rest of the team, and um, it came across very it was very poorly received by Twitter mm. uh, because it kind of gave everybody the impression that Travis Shaw was interested in superseding the basic laws that have been put forth by uh, the federal government as far as uh, maintaining quarantine. Uh, and especially when it comes to travel. And I just think Travis Shaw didn't know any better. I don't think this he's necessarily a bad guy. I feel bad that he can't be around his family. And he's, he, you know, there's got to be a level of loneliness to this. Like, you know, that being said, you just kind of got to suck it up and do what you got to do. The rest of us have to do it. So just do it. Patrick, anything to add in this Travis Shaw thing? Again, that seems pretty silly. This is the first I'm hearing about it. So don't you mean Justin? Jesus, yeah. Okay, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Patrick basically covered it. It's just a guy who was a little bit unhappy that he wouldn't be able to live in the apartment that he's probably only going to live in for one year. Uh, so, I mean, I, I get it. It's frustrating that you can't be outside. You can't do anything you want to do. But, man, we just got to suck it up or else we will be like California and Florida and we're going back into lockdown. And none of us want that to happen. Yeah. So, so before we start talking about uh, Vladdy's new position and getting into the rotation, uh, quickly here, just on the Tony Fernandez patch, uh, the Jays are yeah. going to be wearing a nice little one patch. Some people on Twitter thought it wasn't enough. And, like, what do you think about that, Justin, when people are like, oh, they're doing something nice? It's not enough. Like, the people who are just never happy with anything. The guy's number is already on the level of excellence. Nobody's ever going to wear the number one again because of, how great Tony was as a ball player, even before the he passed. This is what baseball teams do. I mean, when Roy Halladay passed away, they did this for him. Like it's it's just what baseball teams do. It's it's how we it's how we honor people. We just put a patch on our jerseys, and that's what we do. Yeah, Patrick, I, do you like that's this? All I can say. Yeah, do you like this tribute to Tony, or do you think they could have done more? Um, is he con- is he confirmed to be in the level of excellence? <clears throat> thought he's been there for forever yeah i thought that too but then when i looked it up i couldn't i i didn't exactly find it so yes apparently september 23rd 2001 yeah uh fernandez ascended to the level of excellence since they don't really retire jersey numbers in toronto uh i know i said no one should ever wear it again i tweeted that uh at toronto blue jays um but yeah i mean obviously no one's ever going to wear the number again because of tony and uh, I think it's a cool tribute. We love him, and uh, let's celebrate. Let's let's take some time out this year, here and there, to talk about Tony Fernandez. Hmm. 
mm-hmm. once in a while. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about, um, well, not the new Tony Fernandez, but uh, big Tony Fernandez. Uh, that could be a new nickname for Vladdy Jr. Um, going from third base to first base. So I guess he's not really Tony Fernandez anymore. But um, what do you think about this, Patrick? The whole position swap with Vladdy this early on. We thought it was going to happen later in his career, but it happened in year two. Yeah, it happened a lot sooner than I think uh, all of us thought. But I'm actually going to defer to Justin on this one. I want to hear what he has to say. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, we all knew it was coming eventually. There was no way this thick boy was going to stay at third base. As athletic as he is for a large man, uh, there is no chance. I did watch uh, a video uh, that TSN had done uh, on their show Overdrive where they brought in um, our old friend, Mr. Will Middlebrooks used to play for the Red Sox. He had originally started as a third baseman uh, and switched over to the first base in his career. And he became, he's become a pretty good analyst, actually. I enjoyed listening to him. But he, he talked about how he thinks that Vladdy is actually going to be on the more athletic side of MLB first baseman. So that's interesting. Um, he also talked about how. Uh, Really what we're going to happen, what we're going to see happen is probably Vladdy is going to become a full-time DH eventually. The other article I found was on Sportsnet, of course, and it's, it seems like uh, they believe that Vladdy is going to end up in the, like, like, even if he's in the 25th percentile, so like if he's worse than 75% of first baseman defensively, it's still going to turn the Blue Jays from a net negative defensive team into a net positive team. And I mean, we saw last night he made a nice diving play, looked good, in, like positioning-wise on pickoff throws, and he even made a nice stretch to finish off a double play. So I think the guy that's really hurts is Rowdy. Uh, Patrick, do you think that like Rowdy Flores has been saying all the right things, but I mean, do you think that uh, this kind of sours his mood a little bit? Uh, it might sour it a little bit, but I mean, did you see the uh, what Rowdy looks like right now? He's looking cut. <laughs> He's look, looking really good, yeah. Look, he's got a real, he's got a good look right now. He's got a nice crisp swing. Looks like a ball player. I honestly like. I don't. It doesn't matter. I think Rowdy, if Rowdy's bat can can do, you know, can do the talking for him this year and maybe a little bit next year. I I think he's gonna stick around. And like, can you imagine an infield of? Jordan Groshans at third, Bo Bichette at shortstop, Kevon Biggio at second, and then we got Vladdy at first. Like, oh, my God. God. Every single one of those guys has the ability to hit 20 home runs. Mm-hmm. And then in the outfield, Gritchick will probably hit 30. I mean, he's still going to bat, you know, below 240, but, you know, I'll take it. And then on top of that, we'll have Gurriel, who's – uh, whose floor seems to be around 280. Like, I'm totally into this. Yeah, I can get with it. What, is yeah, it, yeah, it, what does it mean for Rowdy Telez, though? Yeah, like, he's he's going to see DH time. Yeah, heavy DH time. And, I mean, they've talked about Vladdy being, like, Montoya said he'll spend most of his at-bats first base DH. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for Rowdy, he's going to be, like, a, a DH at the start of a game who can come in later on. Like, say Vladdy gets on base, they pinch run for him, then Rowdy can enter the game as a first baseman. Okay, that's that actually point. not a bad way to use him. And, I mean, you still have Travis Shaw in there, too, and guys like Kevin Biggio and even Guriel, who played some innings at first base last year. So 
this the sixty game season, especially with uh, um, the shortness of it and these guys not having a full training camp to get ready, it's going to be a lot of swapping and a lot of guys won't play every day. It'll be interesting. It's going to be strange. Uh, it almost feels like this is a terrible year to burn uh, a year of control. Like if you're if you have a rookie, do you want to keep for longer? Like. <laughs> Well, we'll talk about that in the rotation talk for yeah, sure. Yeah, I know. I'm. I know we're about. We're going to be, you know, beating a dead horse here with this. But <laughs> it just seems it's. This is a good time to talk about. Like, do you want to bother wasting a year of control on a player when you know sixty game season? You know, is that rookie going to make the difference between making the playoffs and not? I think it does with Nate Pearson. But I mean, if it, you're anybody but Nate Pearson, I don't think it makes sense to waste a rookie's year of eligibility maybe for vladdy's rookie year too i would push him up like if this was vladdy's rookie year like if it was last year i'd probably push him up but other than that maybe not because again you're right it is 60 games anything can happen what if you call up that rookie for the first 20 games and you're like 5 and 15 you're completely out of it and it's like well we just wasted this guy again that's it we just wasted that one year and the way the rules are in baseball right now with those rookie contracts and the uh the years like the first four years it's just the manipulation the manipulation with those contracts and a 60 game season i mean a, a lot of gms would be definitely thinking about that though um speaking of Vladdy, oh, yeah. though like he did look good in the inner squad game like he, he looked he looked very comfortable at first base like i was impressed that double play where he stabbed at it up high it was really good mm-hmm. yeah like I, like I was saying he's according to some analysts he's going to be on that more athletic side for first baseman so i mean i think we'll see him make some impressive plays he dove to his right which on the third base side that's a dive like into foul territory the play he made last night so moving to his right is a little bit of a difference for him where he's used to more moving into the hole and to behind the mound. He won't have to make those plays anymore. So we'll see how he adapts to that. I think as a as a big boy, maybe that'll be a bit easier for him, is not having to cover as much ground. He's more worried about just catching the ball now, which I think is relatively simple for a big leaguer, I hope. Patrick, who else in the inner squad game uh, did you like? Because there was lots to like in that game. The the boys look good. Um, I don't know. Let's talk about Matt Shoemaker, guys. Mike, I, yeah. I know, like, yeah, yes, he gave up bombs, but that's kind of to be expected. It's not really a serious game. But the fact that uh, Shu has the ability to to uh, throw 93 pitches uh, in those in those four innings that he did, almost five innings that he did, like, man, Shoemaker is back. I'm really excited to see what he does in the middle of the rotation. Middle, I'm thinking he's going to be second. <laughs> well, that is, wouldn't that be the middle? I mean, I guess technically, first and fifth would be the ends, and then You're not first or last. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I liked his I liked his outing too. Uh, one of the homers he gave up was to my boy Anthony Alford. So, um, like to see that home run, give him some confidence. But I mean, Bichette took Lagos Pack deep on a first pitch meatball of a curveball and then we had reese mcguire and later in that first inning too hit a home run off the right field foul pole uh i'm really looking forward to seeing what our catching tandem does with with jansen being a right-handed bat and mcguire being left-handed i think that gives us a really good duo uh montoya has been calling them a tandem so i really i truly do think they're going to almost equally split time this year i wouldn't even be surprised if mcguire gets more playing time just based on the fact that he's been hitting a little bit better although danny jansen did have a great Florida spring training. 
Yeah, so again, we'll Danny's the guy, but Reese McGuire isn't I, too far away, and it's the fact that they're... I love Danny Jansen, and, but I'm not, I'm not convinced. No, and again, that's the thing. Danny Jansen didn't do enough last year. It was his rookie year, but he didn't do enough last year to show that he's the number one catcher. Um, like Again, he's still number one, but it's like 1A, 1B kind of thing right now. And again, Reese McGuire looks a lot better than I thought he would. I mean, uh, before <laughs> this all started, I was like, I don't know, I'm not sold on Reese McGuire, but you know what? Like... Getting a lot better, and his, his swing looks better this year, too. It just looks a lot more they've, smoother. Yeah, like Reese and Danny have kind of done opposites. In, in the minor leagues, McGuire was always the defensive guy, and Danny was always the offensive guy, or the offensive guy. And they've really flip-flopped in the big leagues. Like Danny Jansen was a finalist for a gold glove last year. Mm-hmm. And the Reese McGuire hit like 300 in his in his uh, um, 60 games, whatever it was. So, I mean, they, they kind of flip-flopped. We'll see if that evens out. Over the course of their careers, the next season, this season, even we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we have a couple of good ones here for the next five, six years. Hopefully, we can keep them around. Exactly. And yeah, yeah. Bobasheko and Yard first pitch too. That was great. That's awesome. It yeah. was amazing. It was also amazing to see Reese McGuire hit that grand slam. He's got the big league stroke, boys. I'm really excited to see what he does at the plate this year. And it yeah. is still, again, it is still early. That's the thing about Jays fans. We get very excited early on about guys, and then it's like, holy shit, what happened, you know? So we got to be, again. I that we're saying July 15th, it's early. Yeah, like, we're <laughs> pumping the tires on these guys pretty hard. And, again, as they as we should, they look good. But we should uh, we should also calm it down a bit, too, because you never know. Um, baseball is just a cruel game. One week you're yeah. great, the next week you're not. And we haven't seen an opposing team in four months exactly exactly um let's get into the rotation a little bit more uh last week we talked about it but we need to talk about it more with this chase anderson injury um a strained oblique for a pitcher that's tough to come back from because you're using your Mm -hmm. oblique a lot when you pitch and it's one of those injuries you can't rush because they were saying it's day to day i I think it's going to be more like a week to week thing maybe he threw on flat ground he played catch today yeah and felt good but the fact that he hasn't been able to pitch for about a week now that combined with the fact that he wasn't one of the guys who was stretched out during the lockdown, he's going to be like mid-August, well, I would and, say, is his return to the mound. And an oblique is, again, you can tweak that thing while throwing anytime. Like if you don't stretch yeah. it out properly, it's so easy to tweak and kind of have a have a setback. But with that happening, and again, Patrick, I'll let you kind of lay out the uh, pitchers here, but with Chase Anderson kind of going down, it le- leaves a spot in the middle of the rotation we kind of wanted to talk about, Patrick, Hey. Eh? Yeah, they're, well, I mean, we've got a bit of a, both a log jam and a wide gap as far as what we're going to do with the back uh, half or 40% uh, Mr. Anderson of the, <laughs> of the rotation. But um, let's boot up the old round table here, boys. And um, the Jays have already confirmed they're breaking camp with a five-man rotation. So, you know, let's, uh, let's hash this out. What's, what are we a hundred percent sure on? What what are we saying is like absolutely locked in as far as the rotation goes? I think one, yeah, well, one two, three, Ryu, Rourke, and Shoemaker. Yeah. I think they're in there. Like no matter what, Shoemakers look good. We're paying Rourke money. We brought him in, and same with Ryu. Ryu's obviously the number one. I think after that, yeah. it's it's anyone's game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Obviously, um, my rotation. Same same three guys, but maybe Ryu, Shu, Ryork in, in order. Um, I like Shoemaker after after Ryu. Um, he's a bit more crafty, I think, than Tanner Ryork. So we'll see uh, we'll see how that goes. 
Um, but after that, yeah, like like you said, it's wide open. Like we've got we've got this spot open from Chase Anderson. Montoya's mentioned Trent Thornton a lot as a guy who's probably going to break camp in the rotation. But then you've got guys like Barucky who looked good, has looked good in a couple of interest squad games. I've seen some video of him pitching. Um, Anthony K looked pretty good tonight. Haven't seen anything from Sean Reed Foley or TJ Zoic yet. I think we can rule um, those two guys out. I don't know. I don't yeah, think Zoic and so. Reed Foley. I think they're going to be bullpen guys this year. I think they. I think Reed Foley will be a bullpen guy. I can see Zoic being uh, on that alternate player pool and keep him stretched out as a starter and be one of the first guys up you'd put, uh, in the you'd event put, of industry you'd or put injury. Zo- you'd put Reed Fo- or Zoic over Reed Fo- Foley. Yeah, because I think Reed Foley has better stuff for the bullpen. He can throw oh, okay. ninety-eight. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Uh, and then Wagus Pack is definitely not going to be on the MLB um, roster because he got absolutely shellacked last night and just was not throwing anything at the knees. Like, it was all up. I don't see him breaking camp with the Blue Jays' 30-man roster in any situation based on his performance last night. No chance. And then this Yamaguchi guy that we got kind of brought yeah, him in here but he's here haven't seen him again in these interest squad games yet i think he's probably going to be in the bullpen um as like a mid to long relief guy although he has been a closer in japan the last couple seasons or a couple seasons in his career he's been starting sorry the last couple mm-hmm. but he could be another guy who's a candidate for those kind of middle to late innings of relief as a setup guy to uh, mr ken giles as well so we'll see there's a lot of these guys who are just really like patrick said on that bubble and uh, watching these broadcasts the past couple of nights, um, Dan Schoen and uh, Joe Siddle have been talking a lot about the potential for the team to piggyback starters, right? And we talked about this too, where you have the first guy come out, maybe the start of the season, throw three, four innings, then throw another guy out there for three, four innings, and then turn it over to the bullpen for two to three innings at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So there's um, that option too, and that's where you might see a guy um, like Zoic and like Reed Foley be that second guy out. Obviously, Zoic's more of a ground ball guy, and Reed Foley's a power arm uh, to hopefully come mow through some arms for a couple innings. Let's say we decide that um, Pearson's going to be our number five. Who would you rather have as our number four, Barucki or Anthony Kay? If it came down to those two guys, because, again, Zoic and Reed Foley, I I just think they're going to be bullpen guys. I I just think they're too much on the bubble. But Barucki and Kay definitely have a shot. Patrick, let's start with you here. Who would you rather win that number four spot, Barucki or Kay? Neither. I want Trent Thornton. I've said it a million trillion times at this point. Trent Thornton was put into the ultimate no-win scenario last year, and he performed better than I think what we could have expected someone to be thrown into that situation. He's got good stuff. He can strike guys out. Uh, He was only a shade under uh, 9Ks. uh, What was it? 9Ks per nine innings or whatever? The Ks per nine? We were yeah. looking at. He was close yeah. to nine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I like what I saw out of him. And, yeah, he got rocked a couple times. And, yeah, it, it, you know, they were ugly. But, I mean, the Jays got rocked a lot last year because they were a bad team. So, I don't know if I necessarily blame him for, for all those things. But I think, I think, actually, it's the opposite of what you're suggesting – uh, Clayton, I think number five is Trent Thornton, no matter what, because it'll go. You, a team will go from seeing Thornton to immediately seeing Ryu, who's a completely different pitcher and has a completely different skill set. So I think they're going to go with Thornton to Ryu, and then the number four spot is either going to be Chase Anderson when he's healthy, 
And if he's not, I think it's going to end up being one of the guys we've already had who's already logged a lot of innings as a starter, and then we'll see some piggyback happening. So it'll be, I don't know, roll the dice and decide between Barucky, Waggis Pack, uh, and maybe Nate Pearson. Maybe th- maybe they do decide to burn the uh, burn the rookie year. I don't know. Justin, do you have faith in Trent Thornton? Like, would you put him at number five too? Here's the thing for me. I think the rotation breaking camp will be the guys we've already discussed, Ryu, Shoemaker, and Roark. After that, I can see Ryan Barucki in the number four spot and Trent Thornton in the number five spot, with the reason being that if we keep Nate Pearson down for one week, we get that famous extra year of service time that is so, so valuable with these young players, especially with a number eight prospect in baseball being a pitcher in Nate Pearson. I see him being either the first guy up when any one pitcher gets hurt, whether it be a bullpen or a starter, because they could just use him in the pen this season, um, similar to what they did with Mr. Aaron Sanchez, or he just gets called up um, to replace Trent Thornton as the number five starter after the first week of the season. That's my scenario. I think Pearson does not break camp with this team for service time reasons in a 60-game season. Why would a team in the middle of a rebuild, hopefully on the upswing of a rebuild, burn a year of maybe their best pitcher in a long time? Because it's a 60-game season, and you could definitely make the playoffs earlier than you thought. That's why you put him up there. The the playoff format's still the same as it always was. Three division winners and one wild card. There's no expanded playoff. Which is more reason to do it, because you have a bit like... I think it's less reason to do it. You have less of a chance of making the playoffs. Well, I disagree, because again, you can get hot right off the start if you have your best guys. I don't think this team outside of the top five in our batting order, has the depth offensively to score enough runs to compete with the Yankees for not, and the Rays in our division. They've got to beat one of those two teams to get a wild card spot, and I don't see that happening. Holy Debbie Downers over here. I'm just trying to be realistic. I, I, I don't see it happening, and I don't see the team burning a year of Nate Pearson for what – the websites are saying it's like a 15% chance at a playoff spot. That's not high enough odds for me. Oh, if it was 30%, maybe. Who cares about what some random fucking numbers on the internet say? You know I what? Do. Baseball's, yeah, man. I know you guys do. Baseball's <laughs> played on the field, and with this 60-game schedule and all these variables <laughs> and all these outside factors coming in, this is what I'm going to love about the 60-game season. All these outside distractions is going to really, it's not going to make the number game irrelevant, but it's going to kind of throw it for a loop because baseball players are human too baseball players are going to miss their family that's going to affect their numbers at the plate they're going to hate staying in hotels they're going to get sick of their teammates that's going to affect their numbers and that's why i think fringe teams like the jays who are kind of on the up and up i think you got to jump at it i don't think you look at this as kind of a wasted season because it's 60 games and whatever i look at this as like a gambler that's like hey you know what all the odds are kind of different for all these different teams maybe let's gamble a little bit and let's get hot right off the start maybe you put pearson in like like again like you said the first week start him low and then bring him up i like that but just to keep yeah. him down there i think for the whole season will be a little bit of a waste oh i, I did not saying they're gonna keep him down it's that first week mm-hmm. yeah it's, and, it's a 60 game season it's not a waste it's yeah. a development season for these guys 
But if a couple it's a more... chance to see 60 more games of guys like Vladdy, Bo, and Cavan, and to give the rest of this team, like Kay, Zoic, Reed Foley, whoever does make it out of these young guys, more of an extended audition for the next three to five years of Blue Jays baseball. Yeah, but again, I just hate having wasted year. This is such a cool 60-game season hey, thingy. Like, freaking roll the dice and go, and we go know for we it, man. No Go for it. Laying up is for golf. Like, let's fucking go for it here. Let's shoot for the green. Like, I don't know. I think the Jays can do it. But uh, when it comes to Trent Thornton, though, the one red flag I have about him, and last year, again, he looked great for five innings, but there was always one inning that he would just explode. And, it, it, like, mm. it, he, he just couldn't put a full game together. And when you're playing the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Rays a lot, teams that have just good bat after good bat after good bat, if you get a guy who's stuck in an inning like that where he just can't get out of it, and it seems like Trent Thornton, that's that's one of his red flags. He just can't seem to get out of a, a tough inning. It's going to be tough for him. And that's the reason I didn't really like Trent Thornton last year. He does have filthy stuff, and I think he does sneak in as the fifth guy over Anthony Kay. But I still think, or number four guy, I still think we give Pearson the number five spot. And I think we give, it's a toss up between Kay and Trent Thornton for me for number four. But I, I, I kind of wanted to go to Kay because I like him better. But that's my I'd rotation. Love to see it. Yeah. Patrick, what was your rotation at the end of the day here? It's going to be number one, Ryu. Number two, uh, I guess I'll say Shoemaker. I mean, I think you should, I think we should go with Rourke at number two, but. You know, it's neither here nor there. Both guys are expected to be, you know, to chew up a lot of innings. Um, so after Rourke and Shoe, I would say number four is going to be the open spot where somebody fits in. I love the idea of Nate Pearson getting the number four spot after the first two weeks uh, or for the first 15 games, whatever it is, for him to come in and do that. Uh, and then number five, I'll say Trent Thornton. But I will say that um, 5B, as in the guy who will probably uh, be in tandem with Trent Thornton when he starts, is they'll probably have somebody like either Baraki or maybe Shun Yamaguchi come in and pitch three, four innings the same game. Hmm. Yeah, again, the rotation is the most interesting part of our team right now because, again, the uh... The outfield and the infield's kind of figured out. Well, except for like yeah. our utility guys. But the rotation, it's just there's so many question marks with it right now. And again, Chase Anderson, maybe he does recover faster than we think, and he's back in time because that's his spot. Like if Chase Anderson doesn't get hurt, he's number four, we're not having this conversation. But it just yeah. seems like Chase Anderson might be out longer than we think. Yeah, and I think one thing we have to just be really thankful for is that we do have this controversy. We've This isn't like last season when we were talking about, okay, who's going to follow the opener? <laughs> this yeah. is this is this is like hey we have nine or ten guys who could grab the last two spots on rotation it's uh it's a wealth i wouldn't say we have like a wealth of riches outside of nate pearson like anthony k and ryan baraki have the most potential of any of these guys that could make their roster but they're never going to be like aces they're number three four five guys which is not a bad thing to have but we do have a lot of them which is a good Thing to have at this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. boys, remember last year we had to trot out Edwin Jackson. Oh, that was rough. dark times. Yeah, we won't have to make. We won't see five starts from a, a pitcher who uh, who pitches like ERA. that. <laughs> yeah, well, his ERA for the year was actually eleven. But yeah. I digress. I'm not here to poop on Edwin Jackson. I'm here to say, if you look at it, like what was our record last year? Sixty. Mm. Not Some, good. 
<laughs> yeah, it was like 67 and 95 or something like that. Yeah, I think so. That sounds right. I mean, I think I think we'll battle for at to get to 500, and it's going to be tight. But those last the the 10 games in 19 days against the Yankees, that's where our season is defined. So as 100%. long as yeah, yeah, if we're like if we're 15 games above 500 going into that, yeah, we're looking pretty good. But if we're not 15 games above 500, we're not making the playoffs. <laughs> if we're 15 right. games above 500, we're winning the division. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like we don't play that. We don't have those Yankee games until like the last couple weeks of the season. So like we're not facing our best competition until the very end. So why not gamble a little bit more then and be like, okay, if we're in it when we're playing the Yankees here, maybe we get hot when we play them and we just play our best baseball and then we're in. You know? I don't know. Yeah. You guys are kind of looking I, at it as like ah, oh, the 60 game thing is a bad thing. I think it's a great thing for the Jays. I agree with you. But here's the thing, if you're if you want to protect names, like if you want to, you know, keep him develop out, him, yeah, develop him. Look at the first ten games of the year before you decide whether or not you're going to deploy him. And if we're if we're five and five, yeah, I say yeah, just go for it, just do it. Um, but if we're like two and eight, this team isn't going anywhere. If we don't come out hot right out of the gate, and do better than 500, it's just a waste. It's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Boys, I got to walk my dog. So I got to head out of here. You guys are at home. I still got to drive home. So I got to walk the dog. Thanks for listening wherever you are. Um, However you're listening, tune in, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, all that stuff. Uh, Again, the socials, we're on them, at BFMD Podcast. Give us a look up. Um, Anything else? Any closing remarks here, boys? What's the goodbye song today? Uh, The outro song is Nirvana. Um, Justin came up with the idea of uh, 90s rock anthems as our uh, outro, so I went with Nirvana, and I went with a little bit of a deeper cut than uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. It's Come As You Are. I thought you were about to say that this was a deep cut from Nirvana, and I was like, um, (laughs) no. I don't think so. (laughs) Some of their most popular songs. (laughs) That'd be like saying uh, Sympathy for the Devil by the Stones is a very deep cut by them. But uh, yeah, we're getting sad. We're getting real sad to end the podcast today, I guess. Some Nirvana. Uh, For Justin, for Patrick, that's it. Uh, My name's Clayton. Have a good one. Go Jays, go.